Journey to distant realms. Explore the furthest reaches of the universe. Survive deadly dangers. Experience matters of the heart and more in a new actual play podcast. Join me, Audrey. That's right, just me, as I play tabletop games designed for one player. From journaling games to tarot games to even games that take me outside, I'm bringing you along for the ride. Join me for every episode of Alone at the Table. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host Jacqueline, and I'm your other host Jane. And we're here today. Uh, and we're <clears throat> what the fuck. Uh, <laughs> and and I'm your okay? other. I forgot the intro. I'm, <laughs> I'm forgetting. Um, it's because you got you're working off a new hard drive. You don't have any of the shit memorized yet. You're right. You're right. I um. Oh God. Uh, hello, everybody. Unwise girls. This is Jane, and and we're the unwise girl. What do I say? No, it's, and it's where your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Are you okay? <laughs> and we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan, except for today because we're continuing the TV show. See, this, this is what was be- fucking you up. We are uh, recording live from the Lotus Casino, uh, <laughs> where my memories are rapidly draining. Uh, I'm here today with Jane and Audrey, except it seems Audrey has wandered off somewhere. Oh, shit. They're in one of the VR headsets. The memory's fucking gone. We need to just leave them. All right. Well, you know what? We can do this on our own for the week. Um, <laughs> Jane, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm I'm doing all right, you know. It's um, there's there's some big releases coming out in TV that we're engaged with recently that I'm trying to avoid spoilers from, uh, and that's the Gundam Seed Freedom movie that came out today. Of course, of course. <laughs> nothing, nothing else released recently that uh, we are behind on. What are we behind? Oh, the TV show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're several weeks behind. I guess that's true. Well, that's on purpose. That's 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 the magic. I think we actually will be caught up by the time we record the next episode. We'll do the um, the last two episodes of the week that the finale is. That's exactly right, yeah. I, I planned it all out perfectly. <laughs> That's right. We took out all those sick weeks in November and December <laughs> on purpose, just for this. Exactly for this reason. Uh, how are you, Jacqueline? Uh, I'm okay. I'm recording from my brand new computer, so if there's any audio problems, it's because I haven't fixed it yet. It's kind of beautiful. Um, I my <laughs> old one. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast. Some Discord, you some people in Discord heard about this. My uh, my laptop was kind of cracking in half. Um, mm-hmm. So I uh, that wasn't very good. So I, I had to get a new one. I invest. I tried to invest in a nice one, a, a sort of nicer. Uh, what's up? You're, you're, you're speeding past the fact that while your laptop was cracking in half and you were still using it, you turned everyone who talks to you on Discord into a fucking trollian user because your keyboard was fucked and you had to, like, 
come up with troll typing quirks to convey any information. I did. I, I, uh, you know what the most disturbing part was? By the end, I could read it pretty fluently. Oh, God. You know what, Jane? <laughs> I put you through Homestuck for a reason. You know? <laughs> I, I'm i not going to be friends with a weakling who can't just instantly understand a typing quirk. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's beautiful now. I... I invested a nice one with a lot of good specs, refurbished and stuff, and it's uh, it's beautiful to be able to look down and see that little disk space remaining for recording and not see, like, an hour, uh, 30 minutes. Instead, I get to see 250 hours. 250 fucking hell. Yeah. I, well, I, my, my laptop is puny and pathetic. I only have 25 hours of recording space left. That's pretty good. I Can I, like, admit my dark secret? My, Go for it. My, this isn't a dark... This is just my sad life. Uh, my last computer, I think, had 110 gigs total, maybe? Um, hey, same here. My, my old computer had that as well. Oh, shit. Uh, and so I was constantly... <laughs> I'm sure you had the same thing. I was constantly just juggling the same, like, 10 fucking gigabytes, like, deleting, st- like, a Steam game when I needed to store an extra bit of audio. I finally um, transferred the the um, archive of all the Nectar of the Pods episodes over to my new laptop, like, uh, last week. And I finally got to, like, delete them off, um, off my old laptop. And it freed up a beautiful five gigabytes of space, and it's it's a, such a premium on that piece of shit. Yeah, that that is really how it is. But now I, it's uh huh. It's also it. I just re- I'm also realizing that our laptops are the same, and that my old one is also cracking in half, uh, and is currently like only held together because I superglued some Gumpler runners over the crack. Do we have the same model of laptop? What's happening? <laughs> I don't know, mine was HP something or I, other? I don't think mine was an HP. Um, okay, well, there we go then. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, no, I'm out here downloading every fucking Steam game in my library. I'm living the high life. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Percy Jackson, episodes five and six. You could download uh, every episode of the Percy Jackson TV show, hypothetically. You never would. Yes, I, I really could, and I wouldn't, because that is illegal. <laughs> So, Jane, should we get right into it? With not right into it, should we get into it? Let's let's just get into this shit. Interesting tone. Um, let, let, let's. <laughs> I, 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 that I, is actually. I I want I want to adjust. Actually, I quite like these episodes. I did too. I I think they were pretty good. I I like them a good deal. I think I'm starting to see where some of the like, some good, some really good adaptational choices. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Uh, let's 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 start with episode five, uh, where we're finishing up the, I guess the tangled little knot of Percy getting thrown off the fucking arch and dying. I do, I do think before we get into that, we should rewind to episode three. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We need we need to uh, we need to give a, a mea culpa on our behalf and on Audrey's behalf. Yes. Uh, because because his friend of the show Marcy quite rightfully pointed out in the Discord, uh, the Gabe being the Oracle thing that we spent like ten minutes complaining about in the last episode, uh, that's that's straight out of the book. That's not an adaptational change. You know what? I I'm going to toast. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna say that this mistake is a monument to our beautiful three years of podcasting. Um, <laughs> three years since reading The Lightning Thief. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> There's probably going to be more times where we just complain about shit that we think isn't in the books. And, you know, because we're, we're 
we're not, unlike we're not perfect gods like those guys up on Olympus. Exactly, exactly. And if there's one thing that these episodes want to convey is that those guys are perfect. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, and we start off with I think Annabeth and Grover uh, searching for Percy, uh, and we get a glimpse of the Fates for the first time. Now, this is something I remember from the books. I think it happened in a different place, but, like, this exact interaction plays out where they're watching them and one of them, like, snips a thread. Yeah, I I like this. Uh, I like how just, like, three normal old women they look, you know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. And it's it's ominous, you know? Um, They're on on break from being the Norns. (laughs) Oh, fuck, you're right. Oh, God, the Norns. (laughs) I'm, I'm excited to get back to Magnus Chase, actually. Same. And this is actually where we begin a thread that I'm very happy to see return, which is uh, these kids on the lamb. <laughs> we we this is another thing we were complaining about last week was the excising of the Percy as a wanted terrorist arc, but it's back. It's back. You know, I I understand because they cut the bus fight, they couldn't make it like he destroyed a bus. He did all this. They had to start he beat an old woman to death. <laughs> yes, they had to start with the arch. And I'm glad they did because it's so fun. Uh, it's like a fun little thread just of them having to like hide from the cops uh, throughout these episodes. I really like that. And I also, I, I really love the <laughs> the fact that the arch is like, I swear to God, they're deliberately shooting it like um, the footage of the World Trade Center on 9-11. It feels like it, yeah. It's, it's only shots from the ground. There's no like aerial shots of it or anything. It's all like looking up to it as like this smoke billows out of it. <laughs> What zoom- and Percy gets fucking put on national TV for doing a terrorism. What Zoomers are doing to Western civilization. <laughs> this is... Oh, Lord. I think uh, Percy was one of those TikTok kids who was reading the, the Bin Laden's letter to America. Maybe? He might have been, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something that is actually excised here that I wonder if we'll get a bit later, and that's the conversation Percy has with the Naiad. Hmm, Yeah. Uh, that's where... There's not a lot going on there. No. Well, that's, that's, um... That's where we first get, like, hey, I'm gonna give you these, like, shells, and you can use them to, like, you can use them when the time is right, and... Okay, hey, whoa, whoa, that's definitely not in Lightning Thief. Am I wrong? That, I think, I think Poseidon gives those to Percy at the end of Battle of the Labyrinth. You're saying that they don't... Okay, 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 smart girl. Okay, wise girl. How do they get up to Hades again, then? Oh, you mean the pearls. I thought, you, when you said shell, I thought you meant, like, the shell that um, Percy fucking tosses into the Hudson in Last Olympian. It's all ocean words to me. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, we don't We don't get to see... Because uh, I think that this is where the Naiad gave Percy those pearls, right? I don't think that's true. I, I, I think that was like at the second encounter at Santa Monica. I forgot about that too. Uh, fuck. <laughs> you know what? Proving proving the statement from three minutes ago correct. Well, uh, hang on, because this isn't a book you read three years ago. This is a show you watched three hours ago. <laughs> okay, but we don't see the scene in Santa Monica in the, these episodes. Yes, we do. <laughs> fuck, do we? Yes. <laughs> It's at the end of episode six. Wait, I thought that was a flashback. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh my god! Wait a second. Okay, but that's wait. Do we end <laughs> two different episodes in this show with Percy in the water talking to the naiad? I think so. Okay, 
I think that's a confusing way to write a television show. So I don't think I can. Yeah. I, I, uh huh. They, they, they try to signpost it in very subtle ways, like the fact that the water looks completely fucking different in both versions of the conversation. Uh-huh. No, you know what? That's fair. Because <laughs> one's at daytime and one's at night. Shit. You know what? I, okay. <laughs> Genuinely, let's, we get, I, I saw Percy, like they drove or they, you know, appeared at the edge of the river and then Percy was in the water and I didn't see a connecting point between those two things. Um, he walks into the water. I didn't. Did you get up to make a drink or something? <laughs> I, I've been trying to make the perfect chocolate milk at home using only cocoa powder and confectioner sugar, and it's really difficult. You have to get the balance right, and I think that you can't blame me for not noticing that he walked into the water and thinking it was a flashback instead. <laughs> Oh fuck! Maybe we need, we do need to start doing summaries for these. <laughs> he talks to the naiad for a fucking second, gets out of the water, and goes <laughs> and meets up with them again. Um, that's I what- do think it's very funny that Grover and Adabeth like go looking for Percy down by the water. Uh-huh. When like if he fell out of the arch, it was like a straight fall down on a hard concrete. <laughs> he gets cycloned into like- the water. He's either in the arch or he absolutely died. I guess they might have seen the cyclone catch him. Maybe, yeah. Then why would Grover think he was dead? I. It's a good question. Percy's so <laughs> fucking stupid. I. He's such a dumb kid. It's so funny. It's just him being like, "Ah, oh, Annabeth, you seem really upset. Is it because we hugged?" Because like, God, they're 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 trying to go for the Percybeth stuff in these episodes. Yeah, it works okay. It doesn't. Um, I, you know, they're 12 year olds. I, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we get to see Annabeth, you know, hugging Percy because, you know, he, he survived Grover being happy. He's back. And then Percy being like, haha, we're friends now. Whoa. Uh, all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and then they, they get on with their journey. They just start fucking walking. <laughs> Yeah. They realize that they're wanted criminals and can't get on any mode of transportation. Yes, um, I, and so <laughs> I feel so stupid. Uh, um, and that—that's uh, what Jacqueline. Have I ever told you that I love podcasting with you? I love podca- genuinely one of the highlights of my week. I love to podcast with you too, Jane. Uh, <laughs> that's when we get Aries. So they're walking along. They hear a motorcycle. They duck and hide. And then you just hear a very affable voice, be like, "You guys aren't gonna make it." Uh, and we meet. Uh huh. I love I love their interaction with Ares where like they don't know who he is and they just keep like popping their heads up from behind the traffic barrier and telling him to fuck off. It's incredible comedy. Like this is just genuinely really funny. It's like three stooges shit kind of. Um, <laughs> there's like good physical comedy a little bit. Uh, and he's just acting like a total weirdo. They're like, uh, we don't really want anything from you. Thank you. Have a good day. Uh, and it's <laughs> the, so fun. They're both acting like complete weirdos because they're hiding behind a fucking curb. Uh, and what do you think of Edge as Ares? So I, I'm kind of in two minds about this because I think this is Ares for me was one of the highlights of Lightning Thief. Like his his design was like incredibly evocative and really cool and like really 
built anticipation for that final battle with Percy and made it feel really threatening. And I don't think this captures that at all, and I do find that disappointing. But I also think it's like, it's very clearly going in a different direction with Ares, and I do kind of like, I don't know, I, I respect them for being like, maybe they didn't feel that they could pull that uh, that version of the character off on like a TV screen, and we're just like, we're going to do something else with it. And I do kind of respect that. Yeah, what we're getting instead of like the like we're not getting like the nuclear like uh death eyes, you know. Yeah. We're not getting any of that stuff. We're not even really getting the like sheer aura of rage. That's a little bit implied later on, I think, but it's not really as present. In a really fucking stupid way. <laughs> uh-huh. Um instead we, we we get just like Ares the like war like I don't know, he's <sighs> Adam Copeland is doing something very funny with Ares, where he he's just like being really goofy, um, and I think this mm-hmm. kind of, this kind of speaks to how all the gods are being portrayed in a way that I kind of dig, which is that all of them are just normal guys. Uh huh. Like we're this like we we meet Dionysus. It's not like there's a big aura. It's just some guy. We meet. Ares. We don't get the bit where like Percy looks into Dionysus' eyes and he sees like fucking people being driven mad by wine or whatever. Yeah, being like turned into leopards and shit. Um, mm-hmm. we don't get uh we we don't like you know get the 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 thing with Ares and same thing with uh Hephaestus and Hermes they're both normal guys to the point that Annabeth doesn't even recognize Hephaestus as a god at first I don't think (laughs) or like maybe recognizes that he's probably something but he doesn't like he doesn't instantly he's not instantly clocked as Hephaestus yeah I think this is this is maybe one of those things where it's just like a product of time where this feels a lot more in line with how the gods are uh, portrayed in stuff like Heroes of Olympus. Yeah. Where they, they do tend they have like been toned down a bit over time in some ways. They have moments of being really scary, but that's not how they tend to get like introduced, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um I, I but I do I think I agree with you that I do find myself like if they had figured out a good way to like do I don't know. I, if you if you contrasted um, his sort of goofy guy Ares uh, with like so, like some genuinely fearsome uh, like f- visual detail like like the eyes that could have been cool. Yeah, uh, it's. Fun. I guess the mm-hmm. they're probably saving the eyes for like the fight with Percy, right? That's probably true, actually. Which we do we do get a sneak preview of in the in the the last yeah. uh, episodes next time on. Um, I yeah. Oh, you were watching that bit. Oh, you don't. What? I'm making fun of you for not watching the end of the episode, but watching the next time on. <laughs> oh yeah, no. <laughs> you know, listen, I uh, I have a responsibility to the viewers that extends as soon as I finish drinking my chalky milk. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll stop giving you shit for this in maybe three episodes. <laughs> That's just fine. We're gonna be we're gonna be fucking talking about how disappointed we are that Loki has like turned into like Donald Trump, and you're you're going to be like, yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting how at the end of the episode, Magnus, uh, there's like a flashback to his last conversation with Loki, and, and I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, I don't, that, and I'm gonna like explode because I'm realizing how hard he burned me. I don't know. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, he's. I think the funniest thing that Ares does is like he's doing like he's like as your big cousin, I'll help you out. Um, and yeah, that's a very different dynamic from the book. Yeah, he's he's being like more affable. He is. Um, he's he's starting Twitter flame wars at the diner. 
he seems like a shithead uncle you would meet at a family reunion. Exactly, yeah. Um, he he he's the one who's like, oh, it's okay. I'll sit at the kids' table, you know. Um, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm kind of obsessed with it a little bit. Like I, I, <laughs> I was a, I, I've never seen Edge act in anything. I've seen him wrestle, but I've never seen him act. Um, <laughs> I think he's doing a decent job here. Uh, and we do get the gay video. God, uh, we get it, but I feel it's missing the most important detail, which is the prostitute that was in the original one. It's because he's less of, it's weird. They make him like he's less of a shitty guy here, but he is still calling his uh, his like stepson a terrorist. <laughs> I do love his little Freudian slip where he's like, yeah, and my my fucking Camaro got smashed up. I we really love that car. Yes, he's he's so blatant with it. Is he like wearing like he's like wearing like a lounge robe or something? I think. Yeah, he's trying to make himself look a little bit more fancy. Uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't really work. <laughs> um, and during this whole conversation, Aries gives some exposition. Uh, this this show, I think the, the thing that I notice a lot about this show is because it's not a book, we just occasionally get characters doing 30 seconds of exposition. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it, it, it's handled better and worse at various points in the show. I think this is decent. Aries very casually dropping Kronos' name for the first time. Yeah. Because that happened in the book uh, in like the first scene with Chiron. Uh, and I don't think we get that in. Was that in the show? I'll, I'll say was that in the show. Of saying saying I don't think that was there. <laughs> I don't remember Cronus uh, being mentioned before this. No. And that is a pretty clever. You know what I mean? Like a, a, a clever enough way to do that. It, you have to get the information across somehow about you know Cronus. Feels organic. Yeah, it feels organic. Uh, and he loves his family because they're all a bunch of shithead assholes who always are fighting with each other. <laughs> Which I do, I do like is like I don't think that's something that we saw from Ares in the books, but it does make a lot of sense. Definitely. And I also, I also like that we kind of get his perspective on what all of their deals are, especially like Zeus, who he, uh, when he's talking to Percy, he's like, it doesn't really matter if you get the Master Bolt back or not. Zeus has decided there has to be a war about something, so he's probably just gonna fucking attack your dad anyway. <laughs> Yeah, which, you know, comes to bear by the end of this. Uh, <laughs> and I I do like that. I, I like that, like you said, this is a new angle on things. I think it's a, I think that we're, like, exploring the idea, like... The Master Bolt doesn't end up being the biggest thing in the world in the grand scheme of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, right? Um, no. It, it's a conflict that kind of gets paved over in the future books. Like the, like the Poseidon, uh, like it has a lot of fallout, you know, the Poseidon Zeus conflict remains, but that's been there forever. And obviously everything with, you know, Luke happens because of it, but it's not like there are huge effects. And so I think we're sort of like minimizing the theft itself a little bit mm-hmm. and, and focusing on the fact that this is just like, this is what it is like to deal with the gods um, and how they deal with each other. I think that is a good move. Yeah. It's definitely coming across less as a, like this, this is a fucking once in a generation crisis and more of a, like, this is, this is the bullshit they're up to this week. Which goes all the way back to episode two, uh, or two or three, when, uh, when we just end with a very quick, like, uh, Zeus's Master Bolt got stolen, you gotta go leave for it. Yep. 
and you know we'll see how that turns out uh but it's i think it's also um another side effect of like introducing the percy's mom is alive thing so much earlier Mm -hmm. where it's like you the 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 master bolt kind of ends up being downplayed just by virtue of that plot point existing you know like obviously that's not percy's main concern he doesn't really give much of a shit about this yeah absolutely um there's a flashback here that no sorry that's that's with hermes uh <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the flashback with hermes later uh then Ares. go ahead i was so certain that Ares was gonna turn out to be like a russian bot or something oh my god and it was going to be like, well, this is how modern wars are fought, is that Russia will fucking get their bots to post stuff about Ukraine. <laughs> he's that's go- what Ares is doing. He's going to be like, oh my god, I'm, I'm so glad there isn't all that bullshit. I feel like that could so easily be like exactly what's happening here. Um, <laughs> to the point that I would bet that somebody suggested it, right? Um, I, I have to assume so. I mean, l- listen... Historically, Rick Ryden has more than once trodden on just like absolutely trivializing a real world, like horrible political conflicts by just like slamming them into his stuff. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> oh, has he? Yeah, he certainly has. <laughs> uh, but instead, we just get. We we get the sense that he's just like a shit stirrer, right? Um, yes. He. He likes the big wars, but he also likes the small wars. He really likes the small conflicts, maybe even a bit more than he does the big wars. Um, I I fucking love the bit where Grover is like pretending to be a fan of his, and they're talking about the wars like they're like albums. Like yeah, Ares is a fucking musician, and Grover is talking about like oh yeah, I love the the short wars with quick surrenders. It's kind of your mellower stuff, you know. <laughs> It's incredible. Grover knows how to play a god. It's Grover is so much more wily in this show. And I like that because I think what's happening, we're getting so much more Grover POV. And mm. I think if our goal is to have more of that, which honestly we're not having as much with Annabeth and I am kind of disappointed by that. Um, mm-hmm. But if we're, if we're getting more Grover and making Grover more of an actual character, then having him have this thing, which Annabeth and Percy really don't, which is like, He's worked with like Dionysus, like all these mythological people for a good for a while now, you know. Um, this is an adult man who does Olympian office politics. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, he's twenty four. That we are reminded of that yet again. Um, <laughs> and so, like the fact that he has the skills to like sort of manipulate Ares is very interesting. God, although Ares does not seem that difficult to manipulate. No, not really. It basically just a little like, uh, hey, your sister sucks, right? Uh, war is cool. Uh, anyway, who's the lightning thief? <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, Annabeth and Percy have been sent out on a quest to Hephaestus' amusement park. I don't remember if this was like explicitly Hephaestus's park in the books. I don't think it was. Or if Hephaestus had just like booby trapped the Tunnel of Love ride. I believe that was it. I, you know, we've gone a few steps beyond the level of like a uh, guy in the chair in the corner of the room Hephaestus was on uh, in in Lightning Thief, where he, you know, he installed some cameras in Lightning Thief. Here, he's built an entire bespoke cuckold park. 
Like, I mean, you say he's not the guy in the chair anymore. He has it literally installed a chair into the tunnel of love. I, I am saying that he isn't. He has like he's like the guy in the. He's like lounging back in a sofa across the room now. He he's indulging <laughs> in it. You know what I mean? Uh, like the chair. The chair is so interesting. Um, and we get what it follows is you know we get we get a bit of a needle drop. We get some. Uh, we get them in the tunnel of love or what is now the thrill ride of love as we get to see uh, instead of like a. Instead of, like, a, a normal tunnel of love plus spiders... Yeah, there's no spiders in this, I'm realizing, huh? Which, you know, I I, I noticed that very quickly because I was not looking forward to that. Right, because you're a scaredy spiders girl. Um, yes. And so, and so is Annabeth, but we don't get to know that yet, so... <laughs> What what's the how are we ever gonna know that Annabeth is scared of spiders in time for Arachne? Awful. We're, adop- we're saving that for season eight. <laughs> Awful adaptational choice. Fucking f. Uh, <laughs> instead, we get Hephaestus's view on what love is, which seems to be mostly suffering. Mostly suffering and coercion, both both by and to him. Yeah, it's interesting the way that like. Love comes up here, obviously, because we're doing Persebeth stuff, right? Um, but it's it's not as focused on that as it is on, like, what does what is, like, familial love? And how do you, like, interact with people in your family? Um, what is love? What, Baby, don't hurt me. It, it's, I, frankly, a weirdly effective needle drop. Um, just because it's so stupidly, like, twisted around. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, what is love? Is this what love is? I guess we have to think about that. I So I have a question. Uh-huh. Right? Ares and Aphrodite get on this ride. Do they know that it's going to play what is love, baby don't hurt me, and also show them, like, Hephaestus's tragic life story and how, like, how much he's, like, suffering from Aphrodite continually cucking him? Or is this like the booby trap this time? They weren't. Lo- he just wants to make them feel really shitty. They weren't looking at the walls. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know what? That's an excellent point. Annabeth and Percy only see this because they're desperately trying to look at anything other than each other. Harry's was concerned with a different set of walls. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> now that's too far, Jane. Um, <laughs> I. Speaking of Annabeth, question: What? What? She says at one point that she's never watched a movie. Yeah, I. The, the first thing I thought when I heard that was that I. Th- I think that Rick got some like character notes mixed up, uh, and that, like some stuff from fucking Zia in Kane Chronicles has gotten in here. Because <laughs> the interaction where she's like, "No, I've never seen a movie before," and Percy's like, "After all this, we should fix that." Is literally just Carter and Zia's relationship. It really is. You're right. <laughs> I. Oh man, Zia! I forgot about her. She was kind of cool. Um, yeah. I, I wonder if like, what are we supposed to take away from this? Uh, because we get in the flashback, we get Anna, like not in the flashback. I'm sorry. In the like previously on, I think in this episode we get like Annabeth scene before of her talking about how she was like a gift to her dad, um, mm. which is actually a framing of that that I don't think we talked about as much in the books. Um, no, no, I don't think that came up. And so. I think- she she was mostly treated as a normal kid, and then it came out later that she like literally emerged from her mother's head. Yeah, and so I wonder if we're like 
going to go more into like the depths of Annabeth's relationship with her dad and like her her stepmom mm. and stuff. If maybe like I don't know, was she like homeschooled? You know what I mean? And like they didn't let her watch <laughs> movies. Yeah, I because I can understand like she wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have had time to watch any movies while she was like on the run, and then she's been living at Camp Half Blood, which I don't think has a cinema. So, but like you know, she left when she was like eight so clearly something was going on at home she must like usually you would have seen like finding nemo or something before then uh-huh uh if only because the parents have put it on to shut you up for five minutes yeah exactly exactly <laughs> you you're they've put on like uh cinderella 3 return to return to magic land um annabeth was it's you know what it is it's because annabeth was purely raised on coco melon <laughs> god you're right <laughs> no maybe she's only watched like streaming tv shows before on disney plus she's only watched the mytho magic show is there a show did they talk about a show being being like real that's the only in-universe brand i could think of she's she's only been watching tv shows starring uh tristan mclean <laughs> oh my god i hope we get a tristan mclean name drop actually yeah <laughs> I was surprised that none of the um, like big posters we see in Vegas had him on it, actually. Yeah, you're right. That'd be some early casting, I guess. Yeah, that's true, actually. I like to think... Uh, did you, do you know Chaotix? I don't think so. Uh, Chaotix was a TV show. Um, or no, sorry, it was just called Chaotic. Chaotix is the is a team from Sonic the Hedgehog. Chaotic, I was confused about that for a second, though. Chaotic was a uh, show about a kid who, like gets transported into an online game and fights like he becomes the characters uh that he uses in a card game and like mm. it, it's one of those like kind of generic uh tv shows but what the thing that i remember from it is that it had a, it had a really weird associated card game uh that was all about like summoning weird monsters and like becoming big guys who fight each other i think this is basically what mytho magic is it has if there's a tv show it's gonna be like a shitty animated thing you know what i mean are you, are you sure you're not thinking of like the two uh the two separate arcs in Yu-Gi-Oh where they do that exact thing now i i would know if i was talking about Yu-Gi-Oh. i remember every single second of that fucking arc with kaiba's <laughs> shitty little brother <laughs> or the or the one where bakura made the monsters or was there another or the one? one where they were in a they were in a pokemon knockoff for a while i think what really Ca- capsule monsters oh no capsule monsters right i do remember that uh i i man you know what? I always, I always really wanted dungeon dice monsters to be real. That was always the sickest <laughs> shit to me. <laughs> I want, I want Mytho Magic to basically just be dungeon dice monsters. That would be pretty cool. Um, but there's a chair. Labyrinth dice creatures. The, 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 let's workshop it. Um, <laughs> I do. You think kids see this set and think like, "Wow, this is really FNAF core." <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Why? Well, it sticks out to you about it that that is that. Is this? I don't know. My assumption is just is this just like an like an abandoned amusement park? Is that like would kids immediately associate this with Five Nights at Freddy's nowadays? Well, I guess I guess the thing is that uh, to associate any of the bits in the main theme park with that, you'd have to be able to fucking see them. <laughs> yeah. Lightning yeah. continues to be a problem. Oh, it really... No, I basically can't see... There's a part early on where Annabeth is like, Whoa, Percy, look at that mechanism. I can't see the fucking mechanism. 
that part is so fucking weird because like we have to stop and figure out how to solve this this puzzle that might kill us and then it turns out that it doesn't kill you it's just like a meat grinder in the ceiling that whirs at you a bit when you come in just to kind of fuck with you it's like a this is like a haunted house like a like a haunted house like a um like a like a scare house you know what i mean you go into the actors jump out at you that's basically all it is uh and i don't know it i feel like the set design on this must be pretty decent if we could see it again yeah i mean when when they're in the um the set the, the room with like the shield and the uh the chair that is actually some some nice set design it is yeah should we get there we should talk about they jump they 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 come to like a cliff falling off into nothingness maybe it's falling into like i don't know uh chaos or something uh I, I, maybe they could have fallen into tartarus a bit early um and uh you know they jump off they go to a little platform it has the shield and to get it you have to sit in a chair and Percy decides this is his moment to sacrifice himself. We've got as Percy does in every moment where sacrifice is required. We've got once more Percy's like inability to not try and die. <laughs> well, hey, he's not completely forlorn at this point because he does have that great exchange with Annabeth, where he's like, "Can I ask you to promise me one thing?" And she replies, "Of course, I won't leave Tartarus without your mother." Uh, and he's like, no, no, I was going to ask you to come and get me once you've done that. <laughs> that was really funny. I I am liking, I, I think I gave Leah Jeffries a bit of shit last week. Uh, I said that her performance was kind of wooden. Uh, I'm liking her a lot more this week. This this was kind of the scene that made me realize that. Or I feel like she's kind of, because the character of Annabeth has opened up a bit, she's kind of got a bit more to, a bit more expression to work with. And I think like, the scene that she has with Percy here is really fucking good. I think so, yeah. And you can really feel that, like, character change and, and like, her... You you get to see her, uh, like, and really feel her, like, changing her ideas about how things should work. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, y- y- the, the, the idea that she now really wants to be a bit more like Percy, that she wants to, like, not live up to just, like, I need to be, like, a mini mom of... Like, a mini my mom uh really comes through and i think she's doing a great job there again it's interesting to me that this is coming across so early given that like this seems like the again like the kind of thing where like you get to um fucking mark of athena and that like a lot of the reason that um annabeth is like she's she takes up that quest despite her mother being a horrible piece of shit to her at the start of that book because she still kind of wants to impress her on some level yeah um it even goes like sea of monsters right annabeth so early declaring i don't want to be like the gods uh annabeth's whole thing in sea of monsters is i want to be like the gods yeah <laughs> uh so you know well, well uh, i can't imagine they that i can't imagine they won't be willing to like shift that around a bit you know what i mean um yeah. although i guess i guess well, I should actually be thankful that they're not being like, all right, we need to write this while we're thinking about the next nine seasons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I like to do that because it's funny to imagine fucking season 10 or whatever of this, like getting to yeah, like yeah. Tr- Trials of Apollo in 2046 or whatever. Um, <laughs> Walker Scoble is like desperately like try like they're, they've perfected the de-aging technology, you know? <laughs> Uh, so he can no no when when Walker Scobell gets too old they'll just fucking sack him and get that tiny kid that looks exactly <laughs> like him yeah they'll put it in Walter 
Oh my god, yes. Oh my god. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, I I was really excited for him as Hephaestus. He, he's, he gets a very Wait, small... Wait, that's who that was? Yeah. Man, I, I could not tell. He had none of the usual, like, energy that I really like in his stuff. That's the... the he's just, like, on a balcony. Uh, like kind of again kind of shadowed um and speaking slowly and calmly which is not what you want to get him to do you want to get him to sound kind of unhinged he's not timothy oliphant i'm sorry i (laughs) timothy wait is he no timothy omenson i'm sorry i think i thought i thought this was timmy timothy oliphant oh oh (laughs) you You fucking tricked me because I remember we talked about this in the bonus episode where I was really excited that he'd been cast in this. <laughs> this is a different dude. This is Timothy Omenson, who is. What the fuck has he been in? He was in a. Xena Warrior Princess? Super I don't see Na- what that has to do with this. Psych? Gallivant? Wait, no, he was in Psych. We've talked about this. He was in Psych we and have, Garden yeah, Love Psych. That was it. <laughs> he was also Kane. I feel, yeah, if you're. If you're in Psych and you're in Xena Warrior Princess, you're a fucking shoo-in for the show. I think so. Oh my god. He also played Lance in Voltron. Wait, what? Wait, well, I thought that was Steven Yeun. No, wait, that was that was the other one. That was the red one. In a 2011... Well, that's, that's the blue one, isn't it? In a 2011 fan film, Voltron The End, starring Timothy Omenson, he played Lance. And... What the fuck? He, and Lance wakes up after... This may be the end of Voltron. What the fuck happened here? That's fascinating. <laughs> okay. I I can't... I'm going to get sucked into his Wikipedia page. I think he plays a lot of cops is what I'm getting here. Do you uh, think uh, this is all set up for the fact that um, Hephaestus does have uh, giant combining robots that we see in Titan's Curse? Ooh, you're right. He's going to do the Voltron thing. <laughs> And, you know, fucking Bianca will get crushed between two of the combining parts. Oh, God, you're right. (laughs) They should make... Oh, man. What if they decide to go more real robot with it? Uh, And, I don't know, Bianca has to, like, get in the Gundam and... uh, God. Like, has to... I would instantly become so sickos about this show. (laughs) You really would. You really would. (laughs) Uh, God. Um... And, you know, Hephaestus very quickly is like, all right, well, I okay, I guess I also think that way about things. G- uh, good job. He changes kid. his mind very fast. Yeah. We I, skipped over, wait, we skipped over, like, what the chair actually does, right? Oh, yeah, the chair turns Percy into, like, a statue. Yeah, it's like, it's it's the magic chair that uh, Hephaestus put Hera in that trapped her there. And then he fucking blackmailed the rest of the Olympians to be like, I'll only let her out if you make Aphrodite marry me. What a creep it's out. Like, I don't know, man. That might be why she keeps cheating on you. I think so. Um, <laughs> this is a cool way to imagine that. Like, they could have so easily done, like, a, like he's bound by ropes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that Hephaestus built this and, like, turned... Inter- turned Hera into a statue, sort of objectified her in exchange for another woman. Mm. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite interesting there. I and Percy also gets objectified, uh, and it's it it looks creepy. You know, it, him just very calmly being like, "It's all right, Annabeth." I'm sorry, my Digimon is talking to me. Um, <laughs> oh, she pooped. One second. <laughs> 
she's happy now. <laughs> Basically, he he really uh, is like very calmly like, don't worry, Annabeth, I'm okay, I'm really fine. As like you see the gold like the gold lace uh, of the pattern just like s- snaking its way across his skin. It's very creepy. Yeah, it's it's a good effect. I think we've we've knocked some of the VFX on the show so far. It's looking a bit wonky, but this bit looks great. Yeah, definitely. And then the episode kind of comes to a quick end after that. Uh, we we go back to Ares after Annabeth retrieves the shield. Uh, we and Ares gives them a little bit of you know he points them to Vegas as as happens in the novel. Yeah, he puts them in the fucking animal truck. Uh, hangs out. We get specifically he tells them Hermes hangs out at the Lotus Casino so go there and I love the idea of Hermes going to the Lotus Hotel and Casino to fucking grift like lost and confused <laughs> uh, like people half out of their minds in the fucking Lotus stupor he's just like alright I can do I can win so much gambling like this I mean that makes sense I guess because he's, like, he's the god of thieves and shit absolutely yeah um, Ares delivering a sick like truth bomb to percy frankly uh your dad has plenty of kids he stopped paying attention to once he lost interest god yeah he sure fucking does grover's like thanks for the emotional abuse we're leaving now i do think it's very weird that like the last time we see grover and aries together they seem to be like aries is kind of buying grover's shit and then there's kind of no evidence of that when like they're they're uh, leaving at the end. Yeah, you get the sense that like I don't he uh, I think most uncharitably I would feel like oh this is like two different versions like got spliced together right. Um, yeah, well there was some there was a bit more to that conversation that got edited out. Yeah, um, but this is the part. Would you say this is the part where it kind of feels like they're doing the like rage aura thing? A little bit, yeah. I know you. You said earlier you wanted to talk about that. How it was kind of disappointing. Oh, I was. I was saying. I thought that when you were saying they do the rage drawer thing, I thought you were referring to him being a Twitter troll thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I. I was assuming that like the way they're bringing across his rage or is that he he keeps calling things woke and then smiling to himself when people reply calling him an idiot and telling him to kill himself. <laughs> I see what you're saying. He he also <laughs> does do that. I, <laughs> I think I think that that is a conversation that him and Percy would have on Twitter. <laughs> um, and then they yeah they get on the animal, animal truck and Grover delivers a a real a bombshell to anyone who like a real bombshell that I was like are they really fucking changing things like how are we shifting this around mm. when Grover says I know who stole the lightning bolt. And this is actually kind of a big change from the books, even if they haven't figured out it's Luke yet. Yeah, because they don't really get around to the idea that, like, maybe someone within camp did it for a while, if I remember right. Yeah, I think it's, like, it's after they've met Ares and they're like, well, it it had to have been a demigod who did it for reasons that I don't remember. Well, because of the whole, like, you have to, you can't, you can't steal someone's, like, this is a concept that never comes like maybe once or twice comes up again like but you can't steal someone's like item of power or whatever uh directly right um, yeah it's that thing from the first couple of episodes it's like you know Dionysus needs Percy to go and get him a drink yeah uh and we 
Turns out episode six, uh, Grover told them who it is that stole the lightning thief and Annabeth and Percy drop it in a conversation with Luke. I do. I do love that you can, you can see the moment of panic on Luke's face when they say, we figured out who took it. Yes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, they, they say it was of course Clarice. Ares was hiding it from us, but you know, uh, we figured it out. He got his kid to do it. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Um, which is interesting because, wait a second, Ares didn't hand them a backpack of supplies, did he? Yeah, he did. Okay, he did. Okay, so the master bolt is there. Um, yeah. I, but did he tell? We don't see the scene. I wonder if he eventually was like, "Yeah, I'll tell you, it was Clarice." Or if Grover was like, I figured this Ares guy out, he did it and got Clarice to do it. Or else like Hades got Clarice to do it and Ares like collaborated with... I don't really know what angle they think happened. Yeah, the I think this was something that the book was kind of better at, where we get a lot of the characters like sitting around and discussing their like theories and opinions about this. Whereas with this, I'm... I feel I'm a little less sure of where they stand or what actually happened. Mm-hmm. That was actually one of my favorite parts of the Lightning Thief is them sitting in the yeah. bu- in the in the back of this truck, and it was that's... when you when you could really clearly tell the uh, the things that Rick Ryden had published up to this point were fucking detective novels. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah, that I hadn't connected that at that point, but you're completely right. And it's also <laughs> where we get to see a lot of their like care, like um. You get to see how their like feelings toward each other have changed a little bit. You know, everyone mm. has sort of a different relationship than they did at the start. Uh, and but I think because that's been spread out a bit more throughout the episodes, we don't necessarily need that as much here. Um, before all this, though, Percy has a dream, and it's of the headmaster, aka Kronos, talking to the Lightning Thief. Mm-hmm. And boy, did I wish Rick Riordan was in the scene. <laughs> <laughs> He's just still sitting in the corner saying nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would have been good. <laughs> He's always there. I, God. Just like, I mean, I think that would stick in my dreams if there's just a random silent old man <laughs> in the corner while I was getting, like, uh, fucking evicted from school, uh, expelled. I would be wondering um, if that's one of those things that would make me think, wait, am I dreaming right now? Because <laughs> he's yeah. just fucking watching me. Yes. With beady eyes and writing things down to put in his novels. God. And I think that having uh the, the headmaster who expels percy do the chronos thing is a very you know that it's kind of like getting gabe to do the oracle right um mm-hmm. it, it's a similar tactic here and chronos basically is like because you know we, we know this is chronos uh oh yeah chronos basically is like all this fucking piddly shit with the with the master bolt doesn't really matter this is about a bigger war you know this is about something far outside of their little squabbles uh and if you don't shape up then i'll fucking kill you or something kid uh you listen to me luke we need to get at least four more seasons of television out of this (laughs) oh god i it's really funny just thinking about luke sitting and like luke being like i don't know why chronos is talking to me as this guy (laughs) or why i am like sitting in a school chair like why am i i I just assumed that this was how percy was seeing it but the idea that luke also sees all this shit is incredibly funny I, i like to imagine it that way he's looking around like why the fuck is there a giant copy of washington crossing the delaware in this office 
And one of the other really good bits here is that in the, uh, and this is in the conversation with Luke, um, after Kronos basically is like, and you little demigod, you, you know, his typical little thing. Uh, mm-hmm. a- after Percy wakes up, they're doing the conversation. Um, and Percy is, you can tell he's really obviously trying to impress Luke. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's just like name dropping. My, he's like, oh yeah, I mean, I guess it was like hard to like deal with Aries, but after, you know, Medusa on Sunday and Echidna on Monday, you know, it's not, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> And Annabeth doesn't realize what he's doing and just like jumps in and corrects him. He's like, oh, I think Medusa was actually on Saturday. We had a day's break. This is when they get called an old married couple by Luke. I don't like that. Uh Uh-huh. It's a bit too... It's a bit much. It feels like telling their relationship to us rather than showing it to us. It's like, we've we've already confirmed that this is going to be the couple, so... Yeah, I mean, we. I think we can see their little, like, back and forth and already draw that conclusion, you know what I mean? We don't yeah. need Luke to fucking point it out here. I do like, um, this is this is kind of a change from the books, I think, where, like, usually they have to find a fucking fountain or something to uh, send Iris messages. Mm-hmm. But the idea that Annabeth just, like, carries a prism in her backpack to make a rainbow and call her is, like, that's a fun idea. Yeah, usually they have to get some water source or some reflection. This is, it's, it's just kind of, it's one of those things like, yep, that makes sense of something she would do. That goes hand in hand with like, we're getting a lot of correction here on like, sometimes in the original books, it didn't make a lot of sense why they didn't understand. They were like face to face with a very obvious myth. Um, And mm. pretty much every single time here that has been, a, that's been like, all right, we know that this is, I guess, getting a bit ahead of our, ourselves. But when they get to the casino, for instance, they're and with Medusa too, they're basically like, "I know what's happening here, but we have to make the choice of whether or not we're going to face it anyway." Right? I I disagree. I don't like this change. Okay. This feels like to to me. I think like the idea that they're going for, which I don't think is necessarily bad, is that they're kind of like they're zagging where book readers would expect them to zig. And they're kind of trying to balance, like, if you're watching this adaptation for the first time, this isn't going to affect you. If you're a book reader, it kind of gives you a new angle on it. But I also think, like, this kind of makes them feel too competent, I think. Yeah. I feel like these these three, like, especially in the book, are kind of a bunch of idiots. They really like, are. The The tension of watching them wander into obvious traps, I think, like, uh, it kind of, kind of worked for the book. Because, you know, it's pretty fast-paced and they fight their way out pretty quickly most of the time. It's that good dramatic irony, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like you, you get a chapter of them doing like going into some obvious trap. They get into the trap. They fight. They win. They leave. Uh, and especially, I think with the Lotus Hotel and Casino, I I think this is a, you know a decent little set piece. Uh, at the same time, I do think that it loses a lot of like what makes the original one so scary, uh, which is that yeah. they're they're just a bunch of little kids lost in a casino forever. <laughs> They don't. They don't even do a subplot where <coughs> Percy has to do a heist in a, a casino and hotel in order to promote Percy Jackson gambling machines. <laughs> oh, if only they had turned to the camera and said, "Now go to Percy Jackson and the what the fuck? What was it like the Sea of Monsters dot com or something?" It was just the Percy Jackson Percy Jackson movie dot com or something. Right. Go to Percy Jackson movie dot com and uh, buy our buy 
and gamble. Um, it's so funny to me that when the show was being spun up, it was someone's job to go and nail that. Yes. It was <laughs> so... Because it's fucking gone. We recorded that, and I, I don't know if anyone else in the world noticed that. <laughs> like, I... I, I genuinely think we might be the only ones. <laughs> they think they've hid it from us, but we know the truth. We know the truth. Also, I, I've checked and it is thankfully still on the internet archive. It's it's backed up there. Thank God. Um I Percy gets the there I like there's a good interaction before they go into the casino where uh Annabeth is like, You all know the Odyssey, right? And Percy's like, Well, I read the graphic novel, and he's like everyone like stares at him for a minute and he's like it counts is this like commentary on people who only read the percy jackson graphic novels no i think this is i think this (laughs) is the opposite thing i think this is like pro graphic novel reading i think that's that's a big trend in like uh getting kids to be interested in reading and like Mm. get to read what they want sometimes you can read a fucking graphic novel and it's cool um yeah I th- I think that is like what Rick Ry- what what the show is going for here. I think it's a very Rick Riordan sort of move. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but just it also get, is get him reading, no matter what it is. Pretty much exactly, but it's also just a cute little interaction. I think it's very characterful. Um, it is. Oh, we we did skip over um, Grover freeing all the animals. Yes. I do. I do want to lodge a complaint here. Which is the the shot where they're like they've let the animals out and then they're just wandering through Las Vegas. Uh, most of the shots focus on a camel, which I think is really fucking weird because the the title of the episode is taken from the chapter title. We go we take a zebra to Las Vegas. Is there a zebra like, in the shot? I don't I don't think so. If there was, it didn't stick out enough for me to notice it. I think they should have had like hard cut to the zebra chewing on something like chewing on someone's arm or something. Yeah, uh, we don't see any animals in the van. And I don't think we see the zebra outside the van. It's just it's weird when that's the you know the chapter title they chose. Yeah, especially if we want to go for like Gro- Grover the animal lover. Uh, it's played off as just kind of a joke, you know what I mean? Which I think mm-hmm. it could, I could it could have really been something like Grover doing some fucking eco terrorism. I don't know. <laughs> They, yeah, the again. I know it's like this is a, this is a kid show, and like so on TV, you can get away with a lot less. But they have they have completely dropped the like animal abuse angle. Yeah, like, there were some pretty harrowing descriptions, if I recall correctly, in the book of like what was being done to these things, and they're just kind of gone. It's just a bit now. It's just a little like thirty yeah. second joke. There's um, there's a there's a funny joke where Percy's like, "Do you think they'll be okay?" And Grover's like, "Of course, I've given them the fucking blessing of the satyrs." And Percy's like, "No, I mean the people who are gonna fucking crash their cars into these animals." <laughs> yeah, uh, they don't have the blessing of the satyr, unfortunately, so they will die. <laughs> you ram into that zebra, and it's like hitting a brick wall. Your car just crumples. <laughs> it's like wily e. coyote. Like they've run into a like run into the side of a mountain. <laughs> Um, so what do you think of the casino? Because I, I think this is, it's, it's actually not a hotel anymore either. I think it's just a casino at this point. Hey, actually, mm-hmm. you know what? Fuck this. I'd like to lodge a complaint too. Go for it. Grover hasn't eaten a single tin can. That is so true. What the fuck? Grover should be chewing on, uh, like tin and metal and plastic constantly. 
And you know what? If you can't figure out a way to make that a safe prop, then Grover's actor should go full method and just start fucking slicing his mouth open on real tin cans. I think that you can fucking paint a potato chip or something. I, I think it should be doable. <laughs> they do. They they make blue food already. Why not tin food? <laughs> Grover's equally iconic favorite food. <laughs> Frankly, it kind of is. When I think of like Book Grover, I think of him like being a doofus and eating tin cans. Yeah, he does it when he's anxious, especially. Grover Which I guess he's pretty chilled out for this episode. So he doesn't get super. He gets a little bit anxious sometimes, but he he also doesn't go bah. You know what? Maybe this God, show is, is awful. <laughs> Uh, this, um, is, this is goat boy erasure. Yeah. Hey, did you? He, yeah, he kind of is just a little normal boy. We don't see his hooves. <laughs> um, we we I I forget that he has horns most of the time. Hmm. Uh, although I guess it was book two that it was like, wow, Grover's horns grew. Uh, <laughs> I, think. I think I think that was a thing. Um, I think that yeah. Now we're back at the casino. Were you also on D'Angelo watch? Fuck, you know what? I wasn't, and I should have been. I don't think they appeared. Interest. That That is something that I... Even just, like, the back of, like, a, a brother and a sister, or, like, tall, tall girl, small boy, dark hair, just, like, flashing up, I feel like that's something you would put in there. Yeah. We're, you know what? I'll Google this in case I missed it. Were the D'Angelo's in the show? No. Okay, they don't. Um, That's actually weird. It it is kind of weird. I again, I guess the casting is, would be a little bit early, but just, you know, again, you can shoot them from the back. You can like have like a muffled voice be like Nico, stop running or something like that. Yeah, you can yeah. you can like see some mytho magic cards on a table. I don't know. I I think that it could have been fun to include them. I, I you don't have to, but I think it could have been fun. Yeah. What do you think of this whole set piece, the, the whole casino deal? Uh, I think that this is this this is a lot worse than the books, and unlike the Ares thing, I don't think that I particularly care for any of the changes that have been made here. I think, like, fundamentally they've, they've changed the way that the casino works in a way that I really don't like, where it kind of it works off time dilation now, basically. Uh-huh. Like, as long as long as you're in there, you you know a, a second in here is a minute out there, um, and I I think that's just like a lot less compelling and a lot less horrifying than just like this this place will just like fuck you up and you'll get distracted and you'll forget about everything you care about because you're having so much fun in here. I think like the idea of just like time magically goes faster and you like literally get amnesia as opposed to like just kind of thinking, oh, I'll spend five more minutes on this thing and then never getting around to doing anything important is, like, less horrifying as an idea. How are the, like, how are the little kids with ADHD who are constantly doing this shit also supposed to, <laughs> like, you know, where, where are we gonna see... We're Basically what I'm saying is this is, I guess, part of, like, the show making them all a lot more competent, like you were saying. Um, yeah. They don't... They don't all get... They don't all get sucked. They're not playing video games. You know what I mean? They're yeah. They're not Annabeth. Annabeth isn't playing SimCity. Annabeth isn't playing VR SimCity. Grover's the one doing VR, and it's a much more serious beat, actually. Um, and uh, and 
Percy, they're ba- Percy and Annabeth are basically unaffected apart from forgetting who Grover is uh, <laughs> later in the episode. Um, but yeah, I I think this like, that's a good point is that like the original one wasn't time dilated. It made you immortal and made you do things forever. That was yeah. that was basically it. And instead we get like, oh, don't eat the lotus flowers. It's not the lotus flowers. It's uh, the the whole thing. The, everything is filled with smoke. Uh, not with smoke. Every the, like it's it's lotus gas pumped into the yeah. like uh, the building. That's okay, but like what we got. This, this seems like a worse run at the same concept. It, pretty much, I would I would say that like. I'm happy. I actually really, really like that they're trying to like do a lot of different things with like the same basic ideas as were in the original mm-hmm. book. Um, I sometimes the original was fine. I just I I, I yeah. This is again like the thing with Aries. I think like I appreciate that they're trying other stuff. It's just that that stuff so far mostly seems to be worse. A little bit. Uh, I mean, yeah. Sometimes we get a bit of uh. I I don't know if this will be played out exactly, but it feels like meaningful to me. Annabeth, we get to see in the previous episode, um, Grover very successfully interfacing with a god, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Grover managing to talk to a god and like achieve like a goal through it. Yeah. Annabeth is shown to not trust Grover to do that in this episode. Annabeth says, mm. if you find Hermes, come back to me. I'll know what to do. And I, we, I think we can tell we, it's sort of left up in the air, whether that's what Annabeth thinks, but I do think we get, uh, Grover noticing that and Grover like interpreting it that way. Uh, and I like that we're adding, basically, I like that we're adding more of a relationship between Grover and Annabeth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially cause like we've, we brought in the idea that, um, like he was uh, Annabeth's protector, like a lot earlier on. It makes more sense to be building out, like, you know, what's go- what's the dynamic between these two? Oh, kind of uh, distrust. Interesting. Let's dig into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking of that group, that that sort of group, uh, who were brought to Camp Half Blood, Luke. Why did Luke come to? Ha- why why Luke run away from home? Uh, that would be because, uh, his dad tried to turn his mom into an oracle and it made her lose her mind. Yeah, that's sort of what we get here. Uh, we, we get Luke mom lore so early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, this is, this was like, this was the big reveal at the start of Last Olympian, if I recall correctly. Yeah, we, it was Percy and Nico's, like, solo, or, or like, not solo, but Percy and Nico's little excursion. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was kind of like unveiled a lot about Luke's character that we um that because it's it's the like the, it's a little bit of like the key in the puzzle box right um it's supposed to unlock a yeah, little yeah. bit of like why does he do what he does what do we think of this happening before he's revealed as a traitor I guess this is this is kind of laying the groundwork for it to be like maybe more sympathetic when he does that because I guarantee that he brings it up in his monologue speech to Percy when he's got that fucking scorpion on his hand. Uh-huh. And I guess it's like, this This is also much more important context because we're meeting Hermes so much earlier. That's true, yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda, what? Okay. I'm not I'm not gonna say memes aside because I'll never stop making fun of this fucking asshole. <laughs> uh, but Lin-Manuel Miranda as Hermes, what do you think? 
I, you know, we, we, we mock him and we will never stop mocking him because it's funny. Uh, I do think the performance is like, it's fine. Yeah. There's like no, nothing particularly sticks out as like exceptional or something to really like pick on either. I think like he does, he does goofy Hermes at the gambling table pretty good and he does the switch to kind of more serious side and Luke comes up pretty good as well. Yeah, it's distracting that he's Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, yeah, it really is. Because I, they, I, someone said like, I, I could have sworn I heard like, oh, he's not actually going to be in the hoodie in the show. He is in the hoodie. He's he just, absolutely is in the hoodie. He's just in the hoodie and that's okay. I, I, we got, we, I guess we did get to see him in like the mail carrier outfit. Um, that's true. But I, it, that's sort of like showing us like the two sides of Hermes, the, the professional one and the chill one. Uh, hey, you know what we don't see? Uh-huh. We don't see fucking George and Martha. Oh my god, you're right. What is this shit? George and Martha are integral. You can't like, <laughs> you can't have Hermes without two bickering snakes on his staff. He doesn't even have them when he's on the job the first time we see him. You're right. Oh my god. You know, this show really is trash. This is really bad. <laughs> um, I, Hermes is, I think, like you said, Lin-Manuel Miranda is doing a fine job. Um, like it's, it's decent. And he's, I think he is, he understands the role, right? Uh, yeah. he, he knows what he should be doing and it's making Hermes into a complete fucking asshole. It's, Absolutely. It's, I do, I do uh-huh. find it very funny that like pretty objectively, there is just like a thing that the movies did better than this. Yeah. And that is like, I think Nathan Fillion Hermes infinitely more charismatic and memorable than this performance. He is, uh, it, it still troubles me to this day that Hermes owns Amazon. Uh, <laughs> because but, of the law conflicts with uh, the Amazons owning Amazon later on, of course. That's exactly right. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh, this series is fucking stupid. I, I had the... I was about to say, I love this stupid series. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, both things can coexist, I guess. It's, it's simply different inflections on the same sentiment. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Favorite Hermes line, time and space are easy, kids. Parenting is something else entirely. No, it's not. Everyone, <laughs> parenting has been done for fucking millennia, you asshole. You complete shithead. Not by him. Not, you're right, you're right. You know what, you're right. They don't have good examples of what parenting should look like. They're all, wait, what if we did like an inversion? Like all the good, all the, all the Greek gods are only assholes because of generational trauma and it's not their we're fault. Gonna, we're going to do another Disney generational trauma story. Great. Oh my God, wait, yes. It's, we have to understand that Kronos really didn't set a good example as to how to be a parent for all of them. <laughs> and uh, ignore the fact that Kronos is only parents to like three of them. Um, this is why Chiron's so fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that I, I I I that would be a really funny like if that was the direction they went, I would I would have a rollicking good time with that. Um, Kronos taught him to piss where he stands. I feel. <laughs> You know, Kronos just pisses where he doesn't care about bathrooms. Um, Prometheus invented bathrooms, and Kronos was like, "What is this shit? No, I'm gonna piss on this, this tree." Is, well, this is the thing: like, Kronos didn't need a bathroom because he just like pissed in the pit of Tartarus. 
Uh, and unfortunately, that means that when he was thrown down there, he was just floating in thousands of years worth of piss. Oh, God, you're right. I, you know that <laughs> Tartarus wouldn't appreciate that. Tartarus is like a guy. This is why he looks so fucked up in House of Hades, because he's been living on a diet of nothing but piss. Oh, no. Normally, you don't want to do <laughs> he's got that. scurvy. Oh, no. <laughs> scurvy is so scary. Have you, like, heard of what scare- scurvy does to you? I mean, yeah. I, I didn't realize just how awful it was. Like, I didn't realize that it, like, reopened every wound you've ever had. I, the, the, this, is, this is why British people were willing to suffer being called limeys, because, you know, sucking on a fucking lime is preferable to all the horrible stuff that scurvy does to you. I guess that makes sense. Um, but anyway, Hermes is exactly the type of guy who would argue that generational trauma is the reason he had to ruin Luke's life. Um, (laughs) There is, this is where we get the interesting flashback. Um, Yeah. I don't know what's going on here. Um, Hermes basically says, like, you you know what it's like to get so close to someone you love, but to have no choice but to keep hurting each other. And then he, like, touches Percy's hand and Percy flashes back to himself, uh, like it's it's Walter Scoble, and he's sitting in the back of a car, and maybe there's like crying or yelling outside. I'm not sure what's going on here. Yeah. Is this? Yeah. I assume that maybe like a monster attack happened, and maybe like his mom has gotten out of the car to try and help with it or something. I, the. <laughs> The way this is so directly about how family hurts each other, though, makes me mm. wonder if this is going to explore a more fraught relationship between Percy and his mom. That would be interesting. That's not because really... we did see we did see like hints of that with um the like her getting like very visibly frustrated with him during like the swimming scene. Yeah, and I I would say this is like the thing in the TV show that has like compelled me the most. Um, Mm -hmm. That has just made me like really interested to find out where they're going with this. Uh, Because I, I genuinely don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's one of the things where like, I, I really like Sally's original book characterization, but she does kind of fit that mold of that, like kind of perfect mother figure. And I think, like, a really interesting, like, different take on that character would be, like, exploring, well, how is this actually, like, really fucking difficult for her? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I'm curious, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Annabeth, obviously, we, we know what her deal is with her parents, so that's presumably what she's talking about. Um, yeah. And then we should we, then the conversation basically ends he's like fuck off i'm not gonna help you get into the underworld uh annabeth picks his pocket uh very cool of her very cool of her to <laughs> pick the pocket of the god of thieves uh and then we we let's go to grover's side of the story because grover is having a whole different journey grover is following a satyr who looks kind of like mark hamill but i'm not sure if it is mark hamill around the casino it does look like mark hamill because he huh. looked, he's like a distant relation or something. Yeah, he he's an old searcher, maybe a family friend, maybe just like you know, it's it's not it's not quite clear. And we find out that this old guy does not remember Grover. This is sort of where we get the a lot of the information about like how people's brains are being affected by the casino, sort of firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think they're putting Lotus in the air, or do you think they've just got a carbon monoxide leak? 
god These, <laughs> after a few like hundred thousand years of that i'm sure that that would probably just instantly affect everyone who walks in yeah <laughs> and augustus like makes the declaration he's found he's pan he like needs grover's help but he's almost there and it's this is another one where I was like, oh, they're, like, doing something here. They're really shifting stuff yeah. around. No. <laughs> no, actually. I do like the idea that Pan was just, like, getting drunk in a casino because he'd given up on the human race. <laughs> He's fucking given up. It, capitalism is too much to face. Um, <laughs> I He can't stop industrialism. What? Uh, they have machines. He doesn't know how to deal with machines. Um, <laughs> instead... We get, like, what is simultaneously... I think they're kind of going for, like, the sad old relative with dementia thing a little bit here. I think so, because I don't think Pan is in here. Well, he is. He is in here. What's happened is that every... what? So this is my understanding of what happens here. Hmm. The way that the Lotus Hotel and... The way that the Lotus Casino distracts satyrs who come in here is by making them play a VR game where they can think that they found Pan. They can think, <laughs> like, th- this is, like, oh, I, I'm almost, I think this is actually genuinely, like, kind of, if we're not going to see Annabeth doing City Sim, we, this is, like, a cool idea of, like, how they could, like, eternally soak the fires of, like, the searcher's heart, right? That's um, true, yeah. Like, Grover genuinely thinking, like Augustus genuinely thinking he's found Pan. Grover after that being like, I've almost found Pan. It was it was in this thing, uh, and having to be pulled away from it. That's not really played off. Like there's not like an emotional beat there really, but I do mm-hmm. think that's just like a clever sort of like insert. You know what I mean? Like th- yeah. this this is what you would want that to be. Yeah, it makes it feel more relevant to Grover as opposed to like in the book. Where it's just kind of Grover gets distracted playing a video game. Aren't there like pretty ladies? He just distra- no, that's the movie, isn't it? Um, I think that might be the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and he's sort of the only one that gets to play video games. But then we're back to Percy and Annabeth, and they say, "Okay, we need to get out of here, but we need to find Grover." And Percy says, "Who's Grover?" Um, and we get like. I think maybe the funniest uh, line so far, like the funniest joke <laughs> in the show yet, where uh, like <coughs> he turns around and sees Augustus walking down the stairs and says, oh, right. I remember Grover. Grover, you got so old. <laughs> We've been here for too long. <laughs> God, yeah, it, I do like that. It killed me. It, it, it was incredibly funny. <laughs> I do. This, this that's another thing that I think has gotten better as the show has gone on. I think like the comedy has started working better. Yeah. Looking up if this is Mark Hamill, Ted Dykstra. Well, this guy could make a fucking killing as a Mark Hamill impersonator, like kids' birthday parties. He really could. Is does he act? He doesn't seem to act. I mean, he he does act. He was in the episode. Well, does he act most like? I guess he, I guess he mostly does like plays. This is interesting. Oh, interesting. Like he's a he's a stage actor. Um, yeah, I guess he's just sort of a bit role here, but that is interesting casting in this one. That's in this thing that's full of like, here's our huge cast of awesome stars. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe he knows Rick. That could be it. And then they s- steal Hermie's car. 
Yeah, they find Grover, get him. He doesn't remember who they are, but they are. He's like, "Oh, go on a quest trip. That sounds fun." Um, and they steal Hermes' car, which is a shitty cab. It's a shitty cab, and I love that Percy just like crashes it into everything on the way. <laughs> this is genuinely like out of. I, this might be one of the scariest scenes in the show um <laughs> or like the one where i like buy into the terror of it the most or like how they're feeling being in a parking garage is already a fucking nightmare oh um, yeah learning to drive also a fucking nightmare being a 12 year old who has to learn to drive inside a busy parking garage which apparently has people leaving who's leaving the casino um that's, yeah, that's a really good question actually what the fuck was that I or maybe maybe that was that was Mrs. Dodds getting the D'Angelo's. Oh shit, maybe. Whoa, and she's like, oh, I can kill these kids while I'm on while I'm on my way. <laughs> I can send <laughs> I them love, right to Hades. I love that. Like Percy has been driving for three minutes, but because he's from New York, he immediately starts shouting at the people who like he almost crashed into. It's so funny. <laughs> he's like, they didn't even slow down. <laughs> <laughs> in a way that like you can tell that he's just repeating something his mom has said or so in the past. Absolutely. Oh my god. Oh, and they make it out of the parking garage eventually, almost get hit by like a 18-wheeler. Um But like teleport like right before it fucking mulches them. Yeah, and they teleport to the beach and it cuts and Percy's in the water very suddenly. <laughs> um <laughs> I was actually very confused during the scene because when they get out of the car and stand on the beach, they're all like wet. Yeah. And I was I was really confused about this and was like, did they fucking get in the water and they edited out the bit where they were in the water? But no, it's because it's raining and it's again so dark that you can't tell. Yes. Is this the like beautiful scene? This is like the is this what I remember as like the best descriptive like just uh like descriptive instance inside of the entire lightning thief when they get to the santa monica and like beach yeah there's like there's two there's like the one where they arrive and then the way that it looks all fucked up when they come back up from hades and it's you're right it's missing that like beautiful like description of beautiful thing of like the sunset it's also missing the thing where like the first thing that percy notices when he gets to la is like oh my god there's like this the city like treats people like shit there's homeless people everywhere there's like you know th- these beaches that are portrayed as like so perfect and beautiful are actually covered in like people who have got nothing yeah that's, that element's just been completely excised i could see that coming up still i i could mm-hmm. see that being part of the next episode because they still have to make their way to hades um i have a bad feeling they're cutting procrustes i uh <laughs> I, the I, only cutting of Procrustes that I want to see is Percy beheading him. Oh, please. I, I really need... I think that's genuinely, like, an important, like, step in Percy's, like, character arc in that book, actually. Um, As is the bit directly before that where some teenagers try to mug them and Percy just tries to fucking kill them. So, I, I guess I hope that all of that happens, but also from the next time on it looks like they'll be out of Hades in an episode so I don't know yeah. about that, that I think they're uh, just going straight down there they are going way down Hades town ah uh, way down under the ground real um <laughs> you you know what they they could do like an hour long episode that honestly I wouldn't be surprised if they did do like an hour long episode for for this uh, penultimate one 
Mm-hmm. And maybe then they could fit some stuff in. But yeah, Jane, uh, episodes five and six, pretty good. Good. Yeah, these were all right. I. Uh, oh, I, I, there's, there's, there's one other thing we need to um, mention about the um, the Nyad conversation before we end, actually. Okay, yeah, you, you should fill us in on that. <laughs> well, the Nyad gives uh, gives Percy the pearls like in the book, but interestingly, Percy gets four pearls instead of uh, the three that he has in the book. Oh. Because in the book, that's leading up to like the really gut-wrenching scene where he realizes, like, I don't have enough of these to bring my mom back with me. But... Here he's going in like knowing that she's alive and equipped to get her out. So I'm um, I'm curious about what like the way that this is going to play out is because I think like, they're probably going to do something other than the oh shit we can't bring her with us. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I hmm. This might be where it play if there is going to be a part where like we get into the the fraughtness of his relationship with his mom. This could be it. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. him seeing her again and like if she like i don't know she, maybe she refuses to go yeah like like that could be where it plays out i i wonder i wonder they, they, they've got a they can't go to hades and not make it like at least somewhat soul-wrenching there, there has to be something going on there <laughs> otherwise oh, they, they just go to a big hole in the ground and then leave yeah yeah jane this has been fun uh, we we've we I, we we've had some laughs, we've had some times. Uh, how about Nazis hat? Let's let's do a Nazis hat. Do you got you, any nominations? Yeah, I'm going to nominate. You know what? Percy Jackson is a trans woman. Uh, <laughs> it's a trans girl getting objectified. You know, it it happens. It it, it happens <laughs> to all us women. Yeah. Exactly. Uh fuck do i want to pick out so few characters in these episodes yeah you got anything for aries got anything for hermes you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna give it to mrs dodds who i assume is in this episode even though i have no evidence okay uh my reasoning is that she's bad at driving (laughs) fuck me as all gays are i don't think that's a like gay stereotype i I think that's like a I think people I the like, gay stereotype was that very few of us can drive and even fewer can drive well. I think that's I've heard women are bad drivers. I've never heard <laughs> I've heard gay I, I've heard gay people don't drive for sure. I've never heard gay women drive shitty. I that interest <laughs> interesting. Well, you know what? You know okay, let me let me let me come at this from another angle. Uh Mrs. Mrs. Dodds is a trans woman and drives badly as a form of gender affirming care. Is this anything? <laughs> is this anything? <laughs> Listeners, tell us if this is anything. Um, go go to Twitter. Go to Tumblr. Go to go to our email. Go to Discord. T- say yes, it's something, or no, it's nothing. Or forward uh, your call out post to our email address. <laughs> please, we will we'll read it out on air. <laughs> we'll, we'll you know we'll own up to it. Um, Jane, if you want to find us, you specifically, Jane, uh, uh-huh. wait, no, our intro and outro, uh, fuck, Jane, if you want to know, in case, in case you're interested, Jane, our intro and outro, super variation by Space Phone, you can find that I'm at begging, OC Remix. 
I'm begging you to leave all of that in. Our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. I'm your host of the Moonshot Podcast Network, moonshotpods.com, goodfuckingpodcast.com. All sorts of good stuff happening over there right now. Interstitial season, interstitial infinity, the, the season of interstitial set on the fucking infinity train is coming out to, like, as I record this, like, tomorrow, I think. Go listen to that. Interstitial rules, Riley Hopkins and Raising Friends rules. Also, if you want to find us, you can go to Twitter, Tumblr, uh, Mastodon. No. Co-host. Yes. Instagram. No. Pinterest. No. Out on Wise Girls, where we've got uh, updates when we release episodes, updates when we're not going to release episodes, uh, and visual companions when we feel like it. Uh, Also, (laughs) you can support us by going and leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast app of choice. You can tell a friend about us. We love, love, love that one. Jane has been sneezing consistently, but she could be sneezing more. Uh, And (laughs) uh, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash unwisegirls, where you can, for the one low, low cost of $1 a month, get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. For the still low, but slightly less low cost of $3 a month, get the discord role of friend of bacchus as well as all of our bonus content i think you mean friend of dionysus i mean friend of dionysus you're right (laughs) uh if if you like us and like percy were really waiting to see toby stevens at santa monica and were kind of blue balled when he turned out to not be there because he'd had to fuck off and leave a naiad uh you can get some toby stevens content by uh listening to our bonus show listening to our coverage of black sales uh, we've also uh, completed in its entirety the first season of Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Uh, and if you would like to get uh, get a sneak peek at what we might be doing for the foreseeable on the bonus show, uh, tune in for the next episode where we'll kind of be discussing all of that and like leaving those out for our listeners to vote on. That's right. Uh, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord role of Aphrodite's Chosen all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank uh, Mint, I Love Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye-bye. Bye. To fuck off and leave a naiad. Uh, you can get some Toby Stevens content by uh, listening to our bonus show, listening to our coverage of Black Sales. Uh, we've also uh, completed in its entirety the first season of Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Uh, and if you would like to get uh, get a sneak peek at what we might be doing for the foreseeable on the bonus show, uh, tune in for the next episode where we'll kind of be discussing all of that and like leaving those out for our listeners to vote on. That's right. Uh, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord role of Aphrodite's Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank uh, Mint, I Love Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye-bye. Bye.
Welcome, one and all, to Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends, the actual play podcast that steals. What does that mean? That means that we take stories from corporations and come back and tell our own fanfic-inspired actual plays with them. We do things like a Star Wars podcast that takes place 300 years after The Last Jedi. What if any Zoids media was good? We tell stories in those spaces that are better than the ones that the corporations tell us because we're not fucking cowards. Please, come join us at Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends to hear a plethora of wonderful stories every once in a while on the Moonshot Podcast Network. Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends. Hosted by me, Riley Hopkins.